Chapter 19 of The Outdoor Girls at the Hostess House. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Outdoor Girls at the Hostess House by Laura Lee Hope. Real Tragedy. A day or two went by during which the girls tried pluckily to go on with their duties about the hostess house with bright and smiling faces. It was hard, though, to keep their thoughts from wandering to the four boys who were now on their way to face all the realities and all the horrors of the terrible war, and perhaps it was well that the leaving of so many made their duties lighter than usual. On their return from the station, after seeing the boys in train, they had found a letter from their friend Mrs. Barton Ross of their hometown of Deepdale, head of the Young Women's Christian Association, under whose auspices the hostess house at Camp Liberty was run. In this letter, Mrs. Ross had said that she had sent to the girls a box of books for which they had sent a request, books of all of which one boy or another had asked for and which the regular camp library had not been able to supply. The books had now come, Molly had learned on a visit to the post office, and as it was a heavy package, she had got out the car and with the other girls had run down for it. As the car rolled up to the curb and stopped once more before the hostess house, Betty waved her hand to an upper window. There's Mrs. Sanderson, she explained as they got out of the automobile. She looks kind of pathetic sitting up there all alone. She always looks pathetic to me, sighed Amy, winding an arm about the little captain as they ascended the steps. But everybody looks sadder and more forlorn than usual the past few days. Well, we can't be sad and forlorn any longer, said Betty determinedly. We came here to cheer people up, you know, and how we're going to do it, being doleful ourselves, I don't know. So, in the words of the vulgar, here goes. How's that? That was a rather forced and pitiful little smile, but it brought an answering, one from Amy and another warm hug. You're just wonderful, Betty, she said lovingly, and we'll do just whatever you say. If you want us to smile, we'll smile, that's all. Of course we have tried, but we'll try still harder. Betty hugged back, and they went up the stairs toward the old familiar room, feeling better and more cheerful for their renewed good resolutions. For a while, the girls were busy unpacking the books and putting them in place. Then Betty announced her intention of calling Mrs. Sanderson. I can't bear to think of her in there by the window all alone, she said. It has been awfully hard for her to watch all those boys going away, knowing that her Willie wasn't among them. I might be able to comfort her a little. Let me go too, begged Amy. And arm in arm, the two girls went on their little mission of kindness. They knocked on the door, but, receiving no answer, pushed it open and stepped inside the room. The old lady was sitting in exactly the same position as when Betty had seen her from the car almost an hour before. She looked up, a little startled when they spoke to her, and half rose to her feet. She looked dazed and very old and drawn. With a little cry of compassion, Betty ran over to her and gently forced her back into her chair. Did we startle you? she asked anxiously. We knocked, but you didn't answer, and we came right in. 
I'm sorry. You needn't be, dearie. The old eyes twinkled, and the old hand was very gentle as it patted Betty's cheek reassuringly. I'm always glad to see you, and I've told you to come right in any time. I was thinking very hard, I guess, and that's why I didn't hear you. Then we may stay a little while, said Betty, relieved. But please tell us if we'll be a bother, she added hastily, as the old woman turned once more to the window. No, no, I was hoping you would come, said the latter so eagerly that Betty knew her impulse had been a correct one. The old woman had wanted someone, someone who understood, to pour out her heart to. It was wonderful just to sit here and watch those boys who went, and I've been thinking of it, she said, after a brief silence. Only something inside of me, I guess twas my heart, kept bleeding and crying out that my boy should have been among them. My little brown-eyed Willie, who used to sit out in the sun reading every minute he could get. I can see him now, sitting there, just as if t'was yesterday. Her voice trailed off, and in a silence eloquent with sympathy, the girls waited for her to go on. But I wanted to tell those boys too, she cried, straightening up with a sudden fire, that my Willie wasn't only a reader and as bright as a dollar, he could fight too. He'd have made a soldier to be proud of. It wouldn't be near so bad, she added, turning to the girls with such a depth of tragedy in her eyes that their hearts bled for her, if I can only be sure of his being dead. It's the heartbreak of not knowing that's going to kill me in the end. But there, she said, catching herself up as though ashamed of the outburst, seems like I talk to you little ladies more than I ever talk to anybody else in all my life. Seems like it's just been bottled up inside of me so long, it's just got to come out. I wish you'd tell me, she added, looking at them wistfully, when it bothers you, and I'll just bottle it up again, twice as tight as t'was before. Oh, please, cried Amy, taking one of the work-worn hands and pressing it earnestly between her own warm ones. We just feel honored to think that you trust us enough and like us enough to tell us these things. If you didn't, we'd be miserable. Indeed we should, added Betty fervently. Mrs. Sanderson looked from one of the flushed earnest faces to the other, and her eyes filled slowly with tears. I never thought, she said tremulously, that there were girls like you in the world. Several days later, Mrs. Watson, their chaperone, and the head of the hostess house, called the girls to her for a consultation and, Wondering what new thing was in store for them, they responded to the call. The boys had been gone for a week, time enough to get accustomed, a little, to the feeling of loss that had so oppressed them during the first few days. And now there were rumors of new soldiers arriving at the camp, and of more than enough work for the girls at the hostess house to keep their minds continually occupied. And in fact, it was to discuss that very situation that Mrs. Watson had called them to her this morning. Well, girls, she said when they had settled themselves in characteristic attitudes around the room, we've had a little breathing spell now, just enough time to rest up before the next onslaught. She paused over the word, smiled, and they smiled back at her. Of course that means, Betty interpreted, that not only the boys but hundreds of their relatives and friends are coming to be entertained and housed and amused. Exactly, nodded Mrs. Watson. And, of course, the work that you girls have done, 
and you, Betty interjected loyally, but Mrs. Watson brushed the interruption aside with a wave of her hand, though she flushed happily. Of course I've done my part of it, she agreed modestly, but equally of course, I couldn't have done it if you girls hadn't stood shoulder to shoulder with me. And, she added enthusiastically, it has been more than the spirit with which you did the work, than the actual work itself, that has won such a reputation for our hostess house here. Reputation, repeated Molly wonderfully, then added with an impish inflection. Oh, have we one of those things? We have, responded Mrs. Watson, with an indulgent smile. And whether deserved or not, modesty would prompt us to say that it is not, of course, and the girls laughed amusedly. Our reputation is unusually good and unusually widespread. So good, in fact, that the boys are glad when they find they are to be sent to Camp Liberty. Yes, Betty nodded thoughtfully. Several boys have told me that, but I thought they only said it in spirit of gratitude or perhaps as flattery. That is modest, said Mrs. Watson with another smile. But she added, leaning forward in her chair and speaking earnestly, I honestly think that you girls don't even begin to realize what a wonderful work you have been doing right here in this little city that sprang up overnight. It isn't a small thing, you know, sending thousands of our boys away cheered and strengthened, armed to meet the future, better men, just for having met you. And the mothers and wives and sweethearts who have been entertained so royally and permitted to say goodbye to their loved ones under the very best and cheeriest conditions possible, why, they have spoken to me of you with tears in their eyes. There were tears in their own eyes as the girl smiled happily at her. But it's been such fun, Molly protested, just seeing how much you can make people forget their troubles. That's it, Mrs. Watson broke in quickly. That's the spirit that has made your work here such a wonderful success. You've done it. And whether you will admit it or not, sometimes we've all been so tired at night we've ached in every joint and muscle when we've crawled into bed, because you love to do it, and because it was fun to make people forget their troubles, if only for a little while, and be happy. That's the secret, dear girls. That's why the boys are all eager to be assigned here. Also, the boys in the permanent garrison will sing your praises to the few who have not already heard them, and of course we shall have to live up to their opinion of us. Well, if just doing what we have been doing gives us such a reputation, said Amy soberly, I guess it won't be hard to live up to it in the future. Only, said Mrs. Watson warningly, the work before us is apt to be very much more trying and arduous than any we have yet had. The camp is going to be filled to overflowing, and of course, that will mean entertaining continually for us. We may even, she added thoughtfully, have to quarter some of the relatives and friends outside the camp in private homes, and, of course, it will be up to us to find those homes. You mean we are to go canvassing, the way we did that Thanksgiving? queried Betty. Mrs. Watson nodded, and Grace groaned. Well, said the latter, I don't care. In fact, I rather like the idea if only my feet will hold out. They look pretty durable, remarked Molly gravely. But you don't know how they feel, retorted Grace, wiggling one foot in its trim slipper experimentally. Every time I get a pair of shoes, I'll be a freak 
and you'll be able to charge admission for a look at me. Good, cried Mrs. Watson, laughing with the others. I knew someone would be clever enough to think of a new way of making money. Keep right up, Grace. Yes, said Betty drooly. Just think of the good you can do. End of chapter 19